We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Amen. Thank you, Sister Rollins. I'm glad to be here this morning, Faith Temple, and I believe that we have a follow-up word from the Lord. Like Sister Rollins says, we are going to talk about Never Give Up. Part two, your disadvantage is the advantage. And I'm coming from the New Living Translation this morning, and it reads, as Goliath moved closer to attack David, quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. May God add a blessing to the doers and the hearers of the word. Amen. Thank you, uh, Sister April, for reading our scripture for us today, our foundation scripture. And again, the lesson today is about never giving up. And this is the second part of this mini series. And today we want to focus on when your disadvantage is the advantage. Sometimes in this life, we hear so many messages about uh, why certain groups of people or certain uh individuals maybe should be given extra allowances because they are disadvantaged. And I want today to try to give you an alternative way of looking at the word disadvantage because some of us may be sitting in our house right now thinking that we are in a disadvantaged position after today. I hope that you will be able to look at it differently. Now, we are doing a part two to this series because last week, a lot of people commented that, oh, that was very informational. It was helpful. And so I was thinking about that. And, you know, my patent response is, oh, praise God. Thank God. But when somebody actually called me and urged me to do a second part, I agreed to do it. And I have to admit that at first, I was going to my regular routine of saying, Lord, what would you have me to talk about next week? But then the Lord opened my eyes because I said to him, I always want to see your hand in everything that is going on. And he made me notice the feedback and notice the ask that I do a part two. And so here we are. Um, My daughter called me and she told me, she said, Mom, The Bible is replete. She didn't say those words. Those are my words. She said the Bible is full of people um, who never gave up. And she said, I could only find one who did, and that was Judas. But she named people like Job and Joseph, and I added to the list Abraham. And she said uh, the woman with the issue of blood. And I started thinking of all of these examples, and for sure, They are people who never gave up. And if you don't know the story in detail, then I encourage you, as I always do, to go into the word of God and to read and to see if you see yourself and to see if you see situations that encourage you. And I'm sure if you think about people in your own life, you can probably come up with personal examples of people who never gave up. You may even be your own example of a time in your life when you reaped a harvest, when you refused to give up. 
And I know that we know what that feels like when everything in your body is weary, when you are frustrated, when you don't know which way to turn. The easiest thing it seems to do is to give up, but I am going to encourage you not to do that. So of all the examples in the Bible and all the people that we can think of and even situations in our own lives, today we are going to focus on the little shepherd boy who turned into arguably the greatest king Israel had ever known. That person, whether you think about him as a little boy, is Shepherd David, or if you think about him when he was in the height of his dreams or his uh, service to the Lord as King David. I know you've heard the story of David and Goliath before, but I return to it today with a fresh look to remind you that sometimes the things that you consider the disadvantage may really be your greatest advantage, especially when you use it in the name of the Lord. So we turn to 1 Samuel 17, and April read for us the uh, focus verses, but the whole story is about uh, the story of David and Goliath, and I cannot this morning give you all the details or all the drama or paint the full picture, and so I am going to encourage you to read the whole story. But what I will do within the, within the time that's afforded me today is to try to paint a more vivid picture of the day a seasoned warrior fell to a little boy and his X-Factors. And when I say X-Factors, I'm talking about God and those little stones that other people overlook because surely those stones were in that valley that day or David would have never been able to pick them up. But everybody else, because of the way that they thought about battle, overlooked those stones, which ultimately ended up in Goliath's demise. So when we look in 1 Samuel 17, the story opens up with the Israelites and the Philistines in a standoff in the Eli Valley. So the Philistines had settled along the Palestinian coast, and the Israelites were living in the mountains, and King Saul was their leader. If you go back and you read in the scripture, you read uh, about the history of the Philistines, you will see that they were longtime enemies. They were uh, declared enemies to the children of Israel. And what they had hoped to do, the reason they were in that area that day, is that they had wanted to capture the uh, mountainous region near Bethlehem so that they could split King Saul's kingdom into two. And that is also the reason the Israelites were in the region that day, because they were trying to defend their territory. That is how they both, both armies ended up on the ridges of those mountains, yelling back and forth, the Bible tells you. And I think it, the Bible says it was 40 days later. And they were still standing there. The Israelites were, in fright, uh, were frightful on one side, and the Philistines were on the other side. Now, it's reasonable if you really think about what had to happen in order for these armies to engage one another. It's reasonable. When we think about it, when we really put our minds to it, it's reasonable. The reason they were standing there yelling back and forth, yelling back and forth, because neither camp wanted to make the first move. Because if I'm on one side of the mountain, 
and you're on the other side of the mountain and the valley separates us, the only way for me to get to you is to run down my side of the mountain, across the valley, and up your side of the mountain to get to you. So it's reasonable that neither one of them had moved because they didn't, it would have been a suicidal attempt for them to do that, either one, for them to do that. And we'll talk a little bit more about how people fought in that day. And so because nobody wanted to take on that suicide mission, if we call it that, they were standing there threatening each other for 40 days. And then the Philistines apparently got enough of doing that. And so what they proposed was that we'll send our greatest warrior down into the valley and take care of this. And so that's what they did. And that's what happened. Goliath went down into the valley to settle this in hand-to-hand combat. And they were challenging the Israelites to do the same. Send your greatest warrior into the valley and we're going to settle this by hand-to-hand combat. And whoever wins will become the slave of the other. That was the offer that was on the table. We're going to settle this by hand-to-hand combat. And whoever wins, the other one is going to be a slave to them. So the Bible, when we go and we take a look at Goliath, we realize that even though we often uh, – see Goliath as a giant, and in those days he he looked like one, I'm sure, because I want to say the average height of men that day were like 5'2", 5'4", something like that, but Goliath was 6'9". Now, these days, a 6'9 man is really, really tall, but we're used to seeing people taller than that sometimes in the NBA, but those people are rare. Most men are not 6'9". But Goliath was about six foot nine. And if you read the story, the Bible tells us that he was wearing a bronze helmet and full body armor, that he had a javelin and a spear and a sword. And there was even a person that was walking in front of him that was carrying a large shield. And so if you think about this, Goliath was fully prepared for hands to hand combat. And when he went in the valley that day, the Israelites were afraid because one of the the javelin that he had, they knew that it could cut through their body armor. And so they were stuck. They were, they actually had given up. They just had not gone home because they had not sent anybody down into the valley to fight this giant, they were standing there paralyzed, not knowing what to do, and Goliath is in the valley, and he knows that he has them trapped, and he's shouting out to the Israelites, choose you a man and let him come down to me, and if he prevail in battle against me and kills me, we'll be slaves to you, but if I prevail and I strike them down, you'll be slaves to us, and you will serve us, and so quite naturally. The Israelites were terrified, but I am going to submit to you today that they were terrified 
because they had come to think of this challenge in one way, in one way only. The Philistines had challenged them to hand-to-hand combat, and if they were going to win this war, they had to comply, and they had to figure out who was big enough and bad enough to go down in the valley and do hand-to-hand combat with Goliath and win. So the first thing I want to say to you today is that some of you have been staring down the same problem for so long because you only keep considering what you are supposed to do, how it is supposed to go, what somebody else told you this is how to make this happen, but it's not happening for you. And so you keep trying to stale, same, same, stale, ineffective solutions to try to defeat whatever it is that is holding you back, whatever it is that is causing you to want to give up, you keep applying the same solutions. And I'm saying to you to flip that situation upside down. Look at it differently. Use what you have in your hand. Just because somebody is challenging you to hand-to-hand combat doesn't mean you have to engage with hand-to-hand combat. And really, That's the real beauty of David in this story is that he had never been to battle. And so he didn't know what he was supposed to do. He didn't know what the rules were. He didn't know that if somebody uh, uh, challenges you with hand-to-hand combat that you had to comply. He didn't know. And so he used what he had. He did what he did, what he knew to do is what he only knew to do. And so when we go back to our story, I want you to think about that. What is it that you know to do? You know how to do it, and you know how to do it well. Will it fit into your situation to give you the the deliverance that you are looking for? What is it that's in your own hands? What is it that you know to do and you do well? And so we go back to the story and we see David, he has come down from Bethlehem. He didn't come to fight. He came to bring food to his brothers. And through a long series of events and squabbles with his brother, he ultimately ends up stepping forward and volunteering to go down into the valley and fight this giant. And initially, Saul, with his own knowledge and his own Uh, training and his own ideas about how things were supposed to go, he objected and he said, you can't go down against this Philistine and do battle with him. You are a boy. He's a man of war and he's been fighting battle since his youth. But David countered his argument. and, And here's what David said. The Bible says, he said, when the lion or the bear would come and carry a sheep from the herd, I would go after him and strike him down and rescue it from his clutches. And so Saul ultimately relented, and he let David go down in the valley towards the giant. And when Goliath saw him coming, the Bible says that he said, come on, come come on, come on, come down, let's do this so I can give your flesh to the birds of the heavens and to the beasts of the field, and Goliath overestimated himself that day because what he never even considered, he never even considered that someone who had never been to battle, 
who did not know the rules of engagement, who had no clue what he was supposed to do, would actually come in the valley that day with no intention of playing by the rules because he didn't even know the rules. Goliath was expecting a battle-tested warrior like himself to come forward for hand-to-hand combat. And that is what he had prepared to do because when we look in the scripture and we look at the outfit that he had on that day, the Bible tells us that he had a full bronze suit of armor and he had spears and he had swords close to him and on his side and he had a javelin, like I told you, that would cut through the enemy's body of armor. It never considered, he never considered that something else was possible that day. And Saul was also expecting that same type of battle because the Bible tells us that he tried to give David his own sword and his own armor so that David would be properly equipped to fight back that day. But when we look in the story, David refused Saul's armor. He refused his sword. Basically, he said, I'm not used to this. I can't even walk in this. So I'm just going to go do what I know to do. What Goliath and Saul both failed to realize that day, that hand-to-hand combat was not the only way to fight that battle. In those days, much like the ones these days, actually, when you think about all the ways that people fight, but people would send in the infantry, and the infantry was the ones that would fight hand-to-hand, and that's what they were expecting that day. Or they would send in the cavalry. Those were the people on the horses and the chariots. Or they would send in people to fight with projectiles. Now, what I want you to think about, or at least that's what I thought about, all of these people had to be present that day because the Israelites had come to fight, and they had been gathered there for over a month. So all of these type warriors had to be there that day But nobody took the time to look at this situation differently. And I hope you are following me today. The situations that are about to make you give up, if you flip them over and look at them differently in light of who you are and not what everybody is saying, you might have what you need in your hands right now. And so let's focus back on David. He never intended to fight hand to hand because that wasn't his strength. He intended to fight the way that he knew. He intended to do what he did. So he turned to what he knew. And the Bible says he picked up five stones and he put them in his shoulder bag. He already had a shoulder bag because he told you he had been accustomed to fighting off bears and lions. So he had the equipment that he knew. And the Bible paints this picture of him descending down in the valley. And he, uh, the Bible says he also had his shepherd's staff. And when Goliath saw him, he got insulted. And he said, what am I? Am I a dog that you sending somebody with sticks to come fight me? And one of the important things that I noticed about David is that he never answered him. He never got insulted because Goliath compared him to a dog. And sometimes in our lives, we are distracted because of what people are saying. We get unfocused because somebody hurled an insult towards us. I'm saying to you 
that that's a waste of your energy and a waste of your time. You need to be like David and not answer him and just get busy doing what you know to do. That's what David did that day. He got busy doing what he knew to do. The Bible says he put one of the stones in his leather pouch uh, of the sling and he fired it at Goliath's forehead. And then the Bible tells us that Goliath fell. I don't know if sometimes people say he killed him with one stone, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible says that he fell. So I don't know if he was dead already. He may have already been dead already. The Bible says he fell. And then he tells us that David ran towards him, took Goliath's sword and cut his head off with his own sword. And then the Bible says when the Philistines saw that their warrior was dead, they fled. Now, the deal was you're supposed to become our slaves. You ain't supposed to run. You're supposed to become our slaves. We have conquered you. We have won by the rules that you set. But when they saw that Goliath had lost, the Bible says that they ran. So I said all that to say what? I, I painted the picture for you to say what I'm saying that you need to understand who you are, what you have, and play by those rules. Stop trying to listen to what everybody else is saying. Stop trying to use what you've seen everybody else use. Use what is in your hands. You have given up before or you are, are on the verge of giving up now because you have not yet started using what is in your own hands. You're still trying to find somebody else's idea about how to rescue you. It's supposed to be God. David talked to God and God alone. He didn't ask anybody's permission about using stones and a slingshot. He talked to God and he said, I'm going in the name of the Lord. The problem with some of you is you still waiting for somebody else to tell you what to use and how to do. Just because it worked for me doesn't mean that's the prescription for you. The Bible tells us that David ran towards Goliath. He ran, and I want you to think about that. He was able to run because he didn't have the armor that everybody expected him to have. He brought his freedom in those stones. He was able to move around more freely and more quickly. He brought his rock. He brought his sling. And I could see him whipping it around, whipping it around, and whipping it around as he's running towards Goliath with his target in mind and aiming it towards Goliath's forehead. And some of you all are still sitting around trying to figure out how to put your full body armor on when you know nothing about body armor. You know about a slingshot, but you're still sitting around trying to fight like somebody else fought, trying to get through it, like somebody else got through it. I'm saying go with God. I'm saying ask God. I'm saying go in the name of the Lord, even if it looks ridiculous to you. And so imagine in your mind this little boy running around with his slingshot, maybe even circling around Goliath. I don't know. What could Goliath do, really? He was standing there with over a hundred pounds of armor. He wasn't agile. He wasn't free. He wasn't able to move and defend himself. He was, he was prepared for battle. 
at a close range. He was immobile. He couldn't even ward off the, he was, he couldn't do anything about that stone. He was ready to fight with a sword and a spear and a javelin. And, and he watched David. He watched David. He watched it first with scorn, then with surprise. <laughs> Can you imagine him laying there in horror, having been brought down by a stone? Because what he expected has suddenly changed. What he expected had never happened. And when I was thinking about this story over and over again, I started thinking about my own story, reflecting on my own life. And I hope you do the same thing. And one of the things that came to my mind was when I was in graduate school and the way that I used to study, I used to, because if you all would think when I started graduate school, I had a kid, I was a single parent, I was in an apartment, I was working the job, I was doing all this kind of stuff. I was exhausted. I don't think that there has ever been a time in my life where I have been so exhausted. So when everybody else was going to the library and meeting up with study groups to study, I would have never been able to pull that out. But if you walked in my house, I had walls in my house with study cards all over it, on the bedroom walls and all this kind of stuff, in the mirrors. When I'm brushing my teeth, I could pick up a nugget, pick up a nugget when I sit here, pick up a nugget when I wake up in the middle of the night. I had study cards everywhere. I had to do it differently if I was going to get to where I was trying to go. If I had insisted that the only way I could study was in a library with a study group, I would have never been able to complete because that wasn't available to me. So I used what I had in my own hands to be able to pull it off. And I thought about my sister and how she dealt so long with chronic disease. And then I thought about the gift that the chronic disease brought her. She in my opinion, enjoy life more than most people because she woke up every day with the thought that this might really be my last. So she squeezed joy. If you know her, she squeezed joy from everything, from things that most of us take for granted, like a good breakfast or a cup of coffee. I don't know if you've ever watched Sharon drink a cup of coffee. It's like it's the best thing in the world. And I would go and get that cup of coffee and had a totally different feeling. It's like, it's all right. But she was squeezing joy from everywhere, even from those croissants that she used to ask people to bring her. The things that we find irritating, like driving with no destination in mind, brought her so much joy. And I know that it's the gift of having a chronic disease. And while other people were thinking of it as a disadvantage, she used it as an advantage to get joys out of life that most of us still fully able, fully healthy are not getting out of life. And so as I close, I want to say to you to stop listening to people spout the disadvantages of your situation. Sometimes it makes me so mad when I hear people in the United States talking about how underprivileged and disadvantaged black folks are and poor folks are for sure we have our challenges but i want to encourage i just want to scream sometimes what is the advantage of being black what is the advantage of being poor because there are pros 
and cons to every single thing. So if you are poor, if you are short, if you are fat, if you are black, if you are otherwise able, I want you to Google it if you have to, but I want you to find out what your advantages are. And if you are on the verge of giving up on your dreams, if you feel weary with your situation, I want you to look at what you are doing and how you are doing it. And I want you to ask yourself, what is your supposed disadvantage? Could that actually be your strength? Could that actually be your greatest advantage? What do you have in your own hands? I encourage you to look at it again and do well what you do well. But out of all things, don't you dare ever give up. And that is the word for you today.